We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. very good afternoon to you. Welcome along to the Woman to Woman programme where it's man to woman today once again. Uh, promise for one more day only. It's Declan Gibbons in for Roisin Cleric on the Woman to Woman programme. As always, we'd love to hear from you on 086-353-7782 if you'd like to text us or Laura will take your calls on 56 Coming up later in the programme, we will hear about a book about a noted philanthropist from the Kilkenny area, Lady Desert, and written by Gabriel Murray. And we will have an interview with Roisin talking to Gabriel Murray about that. But first to the self-management programme for adults with long-term health conditions that has been launched by the HSE Southeast Community Healthcare. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Katrina Rennick and John Whelan to tell us a little bit more about this. Hello folks, welcome, thank you very much for coming on, on today. Hi Declan, thanks for having us. Not at all. Hi um, Katrina, maybe would you like to g- give us your title before we, we go into it a bit further? Yeah, so I'm the Living Well Coordinator for South East. Um, it's a Solange Care project um, that uh, has given, Solange Care has given funding to deliver 124 of these programs throughout um, Ireland for 2020. Um, six community health cares have got the funding t- to do this. Uh, this. This Living Well program has been going ongoing a long time. It's originated. It was designed at Stanford University in California and licensed by the Self Management Resource Centre in California. And we are starting to roll it out in Ireland now at the moment. Right, and I, um, we'll get to John in a few moments. But really, it's the it's a free online group self-management program for adults living with long-term health conditions. Now, Katrina, before we get into the, the program itself, I, um, we ran a story about this in our news the other day about the program. But it's very difficult, uh, I, you know, to to uh, enunciate and to list all of the underlying health conditions, if you like, long-term health conditions yeah. in a news bulletin. Can you just give me a notion of the type of th- type of people that we're talking about and the type of conditions they suffer from? Yep, so it's, it's anybody that has a long-term health condition and we class a long-term health condition as a condition that lasts um, somebody any longer, so longer than six months. So if you're living with a condition that goes on longer than six months, that's classed as a long-term health condition. We use examples like COPD, asthma, diabetes, mm. heart conditions, stroke, MS, arthritis, cancer, Crohn's disease, chronic pain, depression, and there's plenty more, like we couldn't mm. possibly um, call them all out, but yeah, any condition that lasts six months um, or longer, or if you're a carer of somebody who is living with a long-term health condition, this course is also beneficial. Why now in particular, Katrina, has this been rolled out? So, we it's been rolled out in Ireland in, in pockets throughout Ireland, um, through the Life of Adorise Ireland. We've also done it in the HSE in very small pockets, but Funding-wise, it probably wasn't there to, to do a huge drive on it, whereas it's the introduction of Solange Care, Solange Care are very much behind this project. As I say, six community health care organisations in Ireland have ha- have funding to roll out this. There's a lot back in um, nationally for the Living Well programme to be backed because it's, it's so important to self-manage your condition because it, it helps people live 
uh, better quality of life and hopefully in, in the after effect that you have less hospital visits and um, GP visits um, than, than you would originally. Okay, um, that's that sounds good. And uh, is it you know is it a fixed period, as in it's beginning a certain day and continuing for a certain period? Yep. So we, we uh, in the southeast. So that's our five counties and studies. It's Waterford, Wexford, South Tip, Carlow, and Kilkenny. We cover. We have thirty cro- programs to run out through twenty twenty, and so we'll have ongoing dates throughout the year. We have a range of days and times and week, evening times, weekend times to suit the majority of people because some people are working, some people are not, and different times that people are available. So it'll be six weeks. So if you're starting on it on a Monday at 6 p.m., you will do it on that Monday at 6 p.m. for the six weeks. It's a two-and-a-half-hour program um, for those six weeks. Okay, and John Whelan is also on the line. John, what is your role in, in the uh, rollout of the programme? Well, I, I, my background is that I am a patient um, and I participated in the Living Well programme and then went on to become uh, a facilitator and I've been trained to, to do that. Uh, initially, about 15 years ago, I was diagnosed with diabetes type 2, Yeah, which was... You know, at the time, uh, something I had to sort of take account of and, and change my lifestyle. Yeah. But then three years ago, I was diagnosed with heart failure, uh, specifically see. cardiomyopathy, uh, which was an even bigger life-changing uh, event. Um, and how, coping with the two of them, especially with the heart failure, uh, it's not easy. There's days you just get down because you're on medication, you're on trying to... Um, manage yourself you know it's not easy to get to your own doctor you know when you need to or even you know the specialist um so what happened was i came across the the living well program late last year mm. and decided that i'd participate uh, it's six six sessions um spread over six weeks two and a half hours per session and uh, you meet people who are have long-term illnesses, and the people, the facilitators were also people with long-term illnesses um, <clears throat> at the time, which was, which was great because now you had somebody teaching you stuff which you could relate to them because, and they could relate to you because they suffer the same kind of things. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of illness you might have, coping with a long-term illness, not easy. There's a lot goes with it. Of course, and if you, I mean, you know, as you as you m- mentioned, your own two conditions. I mean, they sound without wishing to sound patronising, John. You know, two fairly heavy crosses to bear. Yes, uh, the the diabetes one was was hard enough, um, but that meant I had to change lifestyle um, in, a little bit. In the heart failure, I had to change lifestyle a lot, and then you end up with certain things that conflict one to the other. I mean, in the heart failure, um, I was a reasonably handy tennis player. Played a lot. I haven't played tennis in the last two years. I had to stop because they reckoned that it, my heart wouldn't be able to take any kind of pressure. Nice. As, as a diabetic, I was told I needed to drink at least two litres of fluid a day. With heart failure, I'm limited to a litre maximum. You're trying to you're trying to balance the two of them together. 
mentally it just sometimes that, just gets you down. That's very challenging. So did you find this programme th- that you were able to air those uh, challenges and, and get some answers and, and some, uh, as well as obviously the moral support of the group? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I first of all thought this was going to be like a support group where there'd be other people talking about their, their experience and all that. No, this is a, a, a formal formatted program where the facilitators actually train you um, through a whole pile of uh, processes, what they call self-management tools. So they teach you how to, how to study your medications. They teach you how to make uh, decision-making, action planning, how to communicate to you know, how you're feeling on a particular day and not be afraid to communicate. Yeah. So there is a number, uh, I think it's about 12 toolboxes that they actually teach you how to do over that period. And then when you come away from it, not only do you get the experience of talking to other people and their experience of living with a chronic illness, but you also get the trained knowledge of how to manage it yourself from the Living Well program. So ha- has your life actually improved since doing this program? Absolutely. Um, I, I still have the illnesses. This won't yeah. cure the illness. I still have those. But these days, um, it's like I have these, so what, I'm, I'm getting on with life. I take a bucket full of pills every day. But at this moment in time, because I understand what the foreign and how each one of them does, it's like they're getting up and getting dressed every morning. It's something that you do, yeah. and you do it every day. And you, because you manage um, the effects on the body, you can tell fairly quick yourself if there's any changes. And then you sort of say, okay, I need to get some more advice from a health healthcare professional or a heart specialist or a dietitian uh, or a diabetic doctor to get some answers. And you get them because you're coming at it from a, a, a trained point of view, put it that way. Right. Okay, John, I'll come back to you in a moment if that's okay. I want to return to okay. Katrina Rennick. That, uh, that's John Whelan who uh, um, has taken part in this Living Well course in the past. Uh, Katrina, um, a challenge that we're all facing this year is that while this programme is obviously designed originally for a classroom setting, um, you've, had to, you've had to make changes and adapt as well for this year. Yeah, so uh, we started out the year delivering this course face-to-face and very quickly had to close up um, due to COVID. So we've done a lot of work and we've got it up and going online very successfully. We've actually, by putting it online, we're we're targeting groups that we would never have been able to get to by having it um, during the week as a face-to-face. So where we would love to get back to face-to-face, we will always keep the online aspect now because it is very good to have as an option. Um, so a lot of work, a lot of retraining went into the facilitators to get everybody back up on, online. And our first two programs only actually started in the last two weeks. So it's after taking a good few weeks to get, yeah, to, get of course. to where we are. Yeah. Um, we, we have dates now from now on. Well, that's interesting, though, that ha- that having experienced the, the online experience, if you like, that you're, you're saying you're definitely going to take it because I'm, I'm sure there's loads of challenges, but that's interesting that, for instance, as you said, you're able to reach people who otherwise you mightn't have. Are there people for whom the technology is a barrier? Oh, yeah, definitely, and there is, and, we, and we're doing a lot of work with people who have barriers, um, whether they don't have a tablet, we have, um, we're getting in tablets that we can borrow out, we have um, cam- 
cam card or you know for the yeah. for your own computer at home. So we do have things that we can borrow out. Like if somebody has a barrier, don't let that stop you. Get in contact. We will work around it with you. We also carry out one-to-one Zoom sessions. We do it on Zoom at the moment. It can be Zoom or WebEx. We will carry out a one-to-one session online with the person. Get you up and going before the program starts. That you you feel confident going into a group setting online. Um, because you've, we've done the work with you beforehand that you can get on. Yeah, and I presume, obviously, you seek feedback from everybody that takes part. Yeah, so we are carrying out Trinity Colleges actually doing a research for us on the project. So um, we have a fairly advanced evaluation process that goes on. So we would, we do go through the evaluation with people um, on the phone before they start the programme. You can opt in or you can opt out. It's brilliant for us if you opt in. And um, everything it, that all then goes up to Trinity College, and they are do, they are looking at the research um, aspect for us. Yeah, and in your own the HSE statement, uh, it says the living well participants have reported their confidence has increased and that they feel better able to make positive changes to their lifestyle. Um, well, John yeah. John Whelan, who we've just been hearing from, is certainly evidence of that, and he's living proof, if you like. Yeah, and we kind of get the, that feedback from Your Vice Matters. So we also worked with Your Vice Net Matters, which is a national um, patient narrative that's done. And they have partnered up with us and have tailored uh, a questionnaire to go out to participants. And we get kind of very real feedback from them of how they felt the course went and how they feel it changed their lives um, so that's where we can pull out the kind of very important feedback that we feel is important for people to see the real side of how the course benefited them. Yeah, and there are a lot of people with long-term conditions in the southeast. Yeah, there's two, there, there is because there's so many there's so many things that can be classed as long health condition. Majority of us are either living with somebody or have a long-term health condition and it simply is as, as easy as by doing the course you do pick up some very practical lifelong skills to make what you're living with that much easier to give you the the confidence to be able to deal with your to your condition and have the confidence to go and take control of your condition don't let the condition take control of you that you're taking control of your condition and feel that you have uh, a say in your own health yeah, that sounds good. And back to John Whelan again. John, um, who suffers from diabetes too and, and a heart condition. John, did you find that the course, I mean, well, obviously it's, it's a, a set course, but that the people delivering it addressed you and your particular needs specifically? <coughs> Absolutely. Um, I enjoyed it so much and I got so much benefit out of it that my life has changed and changed for the better that I actually decided to go back um, Katrina and say look if you're looking for people to facilitate this I'm available so I actually got trained to be a facilitator and I'll be delivering the programs myself sometime in the autumn well that's uh, since I got trained up on doing it uh, online yeah well that as as a, a lay person that's remarkable uh, to hear that John and so obviously it's not just I mean it, it's it's called uh living well but it's not just obviously as you said you, you still have your conditions but not just are you feeling better but I, I imagine there's a great deal of fulfilment involved in that. Absolutely oh, yeah. I mean some people sort of say to me, look at me and wouldn't they say uh, I thought you were ill and I said I am ill and they say oh you look so much better and I said yeah well I'm physically ill but mentally I'm so much better 
much better place. Yeah. And that makes a big difference. And presumably then when you deliver the course, you're, you, you're able to point to yourself as Exhibit A. Yes, <laughs> that's definitely. And I'm sure yeah. you have done. Yeah. One facilitator on the course. The course has two facilitators. One facilitator, at the very least, will always have a long-term health condition. Right. Because it brings the real um, aspect of the training to the group. Yeah, no, and and I'd imagine that that makes it really, really effective. It, it sounds uh, excellent, and obviously, John is is as I said, part of the living proof. Katrina, how should people get in touch, and if they're interested in this condition, and we're talking about anybody in the southeast with a long term health condition, and it's called Living yes. Well, a self management um, program. Okay, so if you're looking for more information, you can give myself Katrina a call. So my number is zero eight seven two nine three. 9881. So that's 087 293 9881. Or you can email self management supports sech at hsc.ie. You can also go on the website, um, the HSC Live. Um, if you go on HSC, at, at, HSC Live at hsc.ie, um, they, there's um, a HSC Live telephone call. Uh, service that they can direct you down to us. Okay. Sounds really good. And uh, Listen, we wish you the very best with it and thanks for telling us about it. Uh, John Whelan, thank you um, and uh, continued welcome. success in the management of your conditions and good health to you. And uh, Katrina Rennick, thank you very much both for talking to us today. Brilliant. Thanks, me and Thank Declan. you. Bye-bye for now. Bye. That was Katrina Rennick and John Whelan and speaking about the Living Well programme and I will give you those numbers and contact details again a little bit later on for adults uh, as, and it's suitable for people living with one or more long-term health conditions and or caring for someone with a long-term health, care condi- health condition. You're tuned to the Woman to Woman show with uh, me, Declan Gibbons, for a third week in a row, but I promise I won't make it for next week. Roisin will be back in this chair. We'd love to hear from you, 87 uh, I beg your pardon, 086-353-7782. That's 086-353-7782. Or you can telephone Laura on 056-776-2777 with a comment. We'll be back after these. You're listening to The Woman to Woman Show with myself, Roshan Cleric. You can phone us on 56 We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Text us on 086-353-7782. You're tuned to the Woman to Woman show on Community Radio Kilkenny City, just coming up to 28 minutes to 5 o'clock, and it's time for this. Kilkenny's weather on Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. Kilkenny's Weather is sponsored by Dennis Byrne and Ecomax for the 6,500 grant for external home installation. Storm Ellen will produce severe impacts in places this evening and tonight. A cloudy day with outbreaks of rain, patches of mist will develop on hills and in coastal areas. Uh, the Easterly winds will be moderate to fresh and gusty, but veering southeasterly and becoming very strong and gusty later on as Storm Ellen approaches with gales developing. 
Tonight, very windy or stormy as Storm Ellen moves northwards across the country. Some damaging gusts are possible, especially in coastal areas, and caution is advised. There'll be a spell of heavy rain overnight also, with a risk of flooding in places. The rain will clear to the north towards dawn and lowest overnight temperatures 11 to 14 degrees Celsius. That is the forecast, as always. If you'd like a more detailed forecast, you can log on to Metairn on www.met.ie. Kilkenny's weather on Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM Kilkenny's weather is sponsored by Dennis Byrne and Ecomax for the 6,500 grant for external home installation And now it's time to our next interview. You're tuned to Woman to Woman on Community Radio Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. I'm Declan Gibbons. In for Roisin today, but we'll be hearing from Roisin in just a moment because uh, recently she caught up with Gabriel Murray, author of a book about uh, Lady Desert, the famed philanthropist and uh, a woman who certainly left her mark on this city and county. I am speaking to Gabriel Murray, who has written a non-fictional book regarding the Countess of Desert, Kilkenny's very own Lady Desert, and the book is called The Countess of Desert, Member of the Shannon's Erin from 1922 to 1933, and she had the Freedom of the City in 1910. Gabriel Murray, you're very welcome to the Woman to Woman show here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. Nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, so, Gabriel, you, you have written that book about Kilkenny's very own Lady Desert, as I said in the intro. Tell us, what inspired you, first of all, to write a book about this very inspirational lady? Well, my grandfather uh, came from uh, Desert, which is part of uh, an estate or an area of Cuffs Grange, uh, and that was about 10,000 acres of land that stretched from uh, Callan right into the edges of Kilkenny. Uh, there's no domain map now, so it's a bit difficult to... I do have uh, one of the maps in the book, but basically the house was situated about a mile uh, from south of uh, Cuffs Grange near Burnt Church. But that was burnt down in uh, 1922, and... Uh, uh, nothing remains of the uh, house or the estate. So my parents always spoke warmly uh, of Lady Desert and her great um, kindness to the community here. So uh, over the years, I just investigated her. I had a file on her, and it's just in the last two years that I decided to sit down and put all that file of information, which was a vast file of two volumes about 800 pages of material and try and collate it into um, a book. Uh, I did meet with uh, Anthony Farrell, who was the director of Lilliput Press, and he was suggested that I write a biography. So I, the reason, one of the other reasons why I wrote it is that unless I actually put it into a book form, all this information would just vanish or just be stuck mm-hmm. in a file somewhere. So... So the Jewish magazine in London, they refer to uh, Lady Desert as a social reformer, philanderist, and the most important Jewish woman in Anglo-Irish history. So who was Lady Desert? Well, Lady Desert was a very significant figure. That particular title, uh, the most important Jewish woman in Irish history, I suppose in the sense that she was a great benefactress. I mean... Uh, the, the obviously there's new valuations on what you actually uh, built in Kilkenny but 
you're looking at Talbot Cinch, uh, two factories, the Woolen Mills, uh, Kilkenny Woodworkers, the Suspension Bridge, the Library, she was involved with Carnegie in donating the land, the theatre, uh, the, the, you're looking at Desert Hall, which was a great music hall and dance hall uh, earlier on this century. Um, so her her benevolence for the town was considerable. Perhaps she donated something in the region of ten million pounds, something in that area. Of, is that of today's money? Just to today's valuation. Uh, today's I mean, value. to build a housing estate and factories and. I don't know what it would cost today, but you're looking in uh, something in that. And also, she built Auteven Hospital, which is a, a major hospital today. So, in terms of the social infrastructure, uh, the impact on Kilkenny City uh, in the town was uh, considerable. And then she was involved with her uh, her husband's brother, uh, Ottaway Coff. He was uh, he had a tobacco farm, and he was another. Uh, social reformer. He was mayor of Kilkenny. He was involved in b- building John's Bridge. He was a theosophist. Uh, he was very interested. He was also involved in the uh, William Morris Arts and Crafts movement, uh, uh, which was a kind of uh, social movement about bringing uh, arts and crafts, furniture, uh, fabrics, wallpapers, uh, instead of having an industrialized type of uh, design, they wanted more traditional uh, and in, in, in a sense Kilkenny um, the Kilkenny uh, shop in Nassau Street today came out of that because they used to have a shop in Dublin, the Kilkenny Woodworkers, they had a shop and she was president of the Industrial Society of Ireland in fact she was, she was president and committee member I've discovered of about a hundred uh, organisations across Ireland for one reason or another. So, uh, Lady Jacket was instrumental in the building of Alt Even. When was Alt Even uh, built? Alt Even Hospital was built about 1915. It came out of the fact that uh, a considerable amount of um, Irishmen were involved in the First World War and. Uh, uh, I don't. I can't trying to remember the figures, but it was in the region of seventy thousand mm-hmm. um, Irishmen took part in the, in the First World War, and uh, um, a lot of them would have been injured, and they would have been taken back to their hometown. So they needed a hospital. Uh, in fact, Kilkenny Castle was turned also into a hospital, and because of that and the relationship with the butler she was inspired to um, you know have her own hospital so essentially from uh, 1915 onwards it was the the first world war injuries were housed at at even. and Lady Jacobs she um, built uh, Talbot Inch yeah Talbot Inch really came out of uh, partly because of um Ottaway Cough knew Willem Morris and there was this this um, urban designer in England called Ebenezer Howard. He built uh, Wellman Garden City and he had this idea of this ideal community where you had um, um, a lot of green space and then you had uh, agricultural space and then you had the urban uh, or villages uh, in uh, dotted around these spaces in a kind of circular fashion. You can find the designs uh, on, Go- in fact, uh, on Google, they're available, but uh, she came, was influenced the idea of setting up a kind of garden city 
and uh, in, a, in a way it was a kind of utopian ideal for uh, the working classes that they would not just be like in England a lot of them did end up in places like Manchester and very grimy industrial towns were very unhealthy so the whole idea was that workers would have fresh air they would walk to work across the, you know, the suspension bridge. Working. And that's down by the Lanier Bridge down Yeah, it's there. down by the Lanier Bridge. And there's talks about rebuilding that bridge, which would be a nice idea. That was uh, washed away in the flood in Kilkenny in 1947. But the, the factories uh, were there. It was Kilkenny woodworkers. They, in fact, uh, there's some of those objects of uh, furniture. They would do house furniture, basically. Um, you know, beds, tables, chairs, all that. Some of that is in the RDS today. There's actually uh, remnants of that. Um, so, what did Lady Desert do for Kilkenny? Because there's so many buildings around Kilkenny that are instrumental and well, you have Lady Kilkenny Desert. Theatre, which is Zuni's restaurant now. You have the, uh, I think it's now the uh, Youth uh, Centre, which is formerly Desert Hall that a lot of people. Uh, it was a social music centre there in the 1930s, 40s, 50s. Uh, the The reason why she could do all of this was that her father was uh, a banker uh, from the Bischofheim Bank in London, which they, they founded Paribas and uh, Society Generale. Uh, Paribas is the biggest bank in the world. Her father was involved in setting up that bank. So uh, she had millions of pounds, basically a disposable uh, income where she could actually, or, or even her parents gave money to cancer fund, uh, sanatoriums for tur tuberculosis. So it was in the family tradition. Her father, her grandfather, Lazar, built uh, the Jewish temple, uh, last synagogue in Vienna. The other 39 were burnt down by the, uh, the Nazis. But... They, they were. It was a kind of a social thing uh, in the 19th century, anyway, for very rich people to dispose of their money. I mean, you have Bill Gates today; he's disposing of his profits. Uh, you know, it's a kind of a tradition for very wealthy people. But in that particular era, uh, they were they became kind of social reformers. They they invested their money in. So uh, it wasn't for yeah. profit, it was for the community, essentially. So Lady Desert, she she built the... And then the Lady Desert, the, down the library, down and by yeah, the Yeah, the library was in, uh, in, in partnership with Carnegie, with Andrew Carnegie, the Scottish uh, millionaire who actually built thousands of libraries all over the world. So she donated the land and he, he provided the, the library, but... Um, yeah, I mean, any anything that was in—I mean, the social impact in Kilkenny was enormous. I mean, she was also involved in the um, Society for Preventing uh, Cruelty to Children, uh, the supply of uh, nurses to her hospital with the Marchioness of Ormond. Uh, she the the, the the district nurses association. Uh, she set up. Uh, she was involved with tuberculosis. Uh, prevention with Lady Aberdeen, which was the big, uh, she was the big social reformer that came over from England, and, and, uh, and she was she partnered partnered, uh, you know, promoting uh, good healthcare uh, at that time. So, I mean, in terms of uh, she, she was kind of like filled the gap 
uh, in a way between the turn of the 19th century from about 1900 to 19 um, around nine, perhaps in the 1930s that 30 year gap where uh, the Irish government wasn't in place you, you, you had this obviously uh, 922 onwards there was movement towards uh, s- establishing the HSC establishing uh, you know various government organisations even social security uh, you know, reform didn't come in the t- late 30s. But so Lady Desert had a really good relationship with all her workers too, didn't she? Yeah, well, but she was very uh, compassionate individual, so it wasn't just a question of uh, these official projects. If you had a problem, her uh, checkbook was always open, you would actually go and see her privately, and she'd sign a cheque. And the bowling alley? Yeah, the bowling alley. The, 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 the handball, handball alley, alley, sorry, the handball, the handball alley. alley, yes. Yeah, anything that was... Uh, but I have heard stories of families that were starving or people who were in very difficult circumstances. She would just uh, come along and, and sign a cheque for... Because it, was, it wasn't a very structured uh, social welfare system in place in those times, so people had to res- uh, re- rely on their families or... Uh, their own resources or whatever, but if they were in a serious difficulty, she would. She was one of the go-to people in Kilkenny. The uh, interesting thing about it is that I discovered that uh, when she died in uh, 1933, Jack McGuinness uh, was the, was the great granduncle of John McGuinness. Uh, he gave the eulogy at uh, Kilkenny Corporation. And uh, Kilkenny, and she she died in Waterloo Road because she was always up and down to the Shannon. She she had a house in Talbot Inch, but uh, she died in 1933, and uh, they took their body to uh, Dunleary. So all the Kilkenny community uh, went from uh, by train up to um, meet the hearse and uh, they marched after it from Waterloo Road to Dunleary and she was taken to uh, Cornwall, Falmouth in Cornwall where she was buried uh, beside her husband. Her husband was uh, the fourth Earl of Desert. He was a rather fascinating character. He was uh, a novelist. He wrote about 13 novels. But he died in Falmouth. So today you will find uh, her grave uh, under a weeping... A statue of a lady with an Irish harp. It's about seven or eight, six, seven foot high, and it's just a kind of reference to her Irish background, if you like, the Anglo-Irish connection. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's an important figure, but also in terms of Jewish history, she's significant because uh, there are a certain amount of historians working on Jewish history, but. Uh, in terms of her contribution, she probably would be the most important in terms of her uh, donations to uh, the community, whether they were Jewish or Protestant or Catholic or whatever denomination. She just gave, donated millions of pounds. And on top of that, she spent... Uh, Was it million pounds in money in terms of today's money or in back in... Oh, today's value. Well, today's as I said, it's, it's maybe around the 10 million mark she would have donated and... Um, That's in today's money. Today's valuation, yeah. Yes. Um, so, so, Lady Desert was a very inspirational, even to this day, she was a very inspirational Kilkenny woman in this, even 
to this day and very much regarded and respected and you know yeah i think the, what, what probably what made her who she was is that she uh was uh, an individual what they call an iconoclast she could uh she was very influenced by the her grandfather obviously and her and her parents who were also involved in social reform i mean her grandfather gave 300,000 florins to the uh, Austrian emperor when they were starving in a famine in Vienna. Uh, I think it was 1827 was a major famine there and uh, so it was just in the it's just part of their culture. The, she was born in South Audley Street into a very large uh, it looks like a palace if you see the buildings now the Egyptian embassy but she, she grew up in this very uh, sophisticated uh, kind of intellectual environment where there was a lot of, like the Prime Minister and Queen Victoria would come for afternoon tea in the salon they had and uh, you know, Millet, the famous painter, painted her uh, her mother so they were, she grew up in this very uh, affluent back, yeah, but, it, but in a way it wasn't just a totally decadent uh, environment because uh, there was uh, a lot of social reform going on. There was a lot of serious social issues developing because at that time 150,000 people had arrived from Russia and she was uh, chairman of the um, Jewish temporary shelter I discovered which was uh, the, uh, bringing in uh, refugees who were victims of the pogroms and uh, and uh, she was involved in the housing and, uh, uh, you know, the care of the children and mothers in the East End of London. It was Lady Desert who was in charge of that. Uh, they, they also would pay for Jewish immigrants to go onwards to America. Uh, so most, I'll give you an example, most, all the Jews of... Uh, uh, South Africa, for instance, uh, her organization, the Jewish Temperature Shelter, would have paid for. Uh, even in Ireland, uh, you, you know, the, the Jewish community here uh, would have been assisted by Lady Desert. Most of Irish Jews, in fact, are from Lithuania, same in South Africa. They're all Lithuanian, Muslim from Lithuanian Jews, yeah. So it's kind of, um, it was a whole infrastructure she was involved with, but she was a very modest uh, person. She never boasted about, uh, she, the only time I've ever come across her writing, I uh, have an article, uh, Tsar and Jew, where she attacked the Tsar of Russia for uh, the treatment of Jews in Russia. I actually have a very rare public, and she tried to write her memoirs about her life here in Kilkenny, and uh, but she gave. I think I've I've got about thirty pages that I republish in the book. It's the only memoirs I find. I mean, there, there are being there has been some other historians I have to acknowledge who have done some work on Lady Desert. There's Mary Stafford who has got a PhD. Uh, she wrote a book on Lady Desert and the Gaelic League. She, they set up this. Uh, Gaelic League for promotion of Irish culture with Douglas Hyde. Lady Desert was president of that in Kilkenny. And then there's Caroline Irwin, who was a graduate. She wrote a thesis on um, the um, involvement of Lady Desert with uh, Kilkenny woodworkers. Uh, she's still... She's, uh, she lives in Kilkenny, but she, she, published, she has this 
thesis on, on Kilkenny Woodward. So there have been a few uh, other historians looking at that yes. uh, subject, but I, I just, co- you know, covered it uh, not just in an Irish context, but our involvement in England and Austria and other the other south countries. side of, 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 of Ireland itself. Well, we're coming to the end of our segment. So, Gabriel Murray, where can uh, our listeners find the, the the book that you've written, The Countess of Desert? Where can we find this? Well, you can get it in all Kilkenny bookshops. There's Cannes, there's the Book Centre, um, there's the uh, second-hand bookshop in, um, in, in the Butterslip, um, and if you you know if you want to get it immediately, uh, you can get it on Amazon.co.uk, and the title is "The Countess of Desert." If you just key in the Countess of, uh, the Countess of Desert, uh, Amazon.co.uk. I've also um, uh, published a separate catalogue on the history of Odd Even Hospital. It's called Odd Even: A History of a Hospital, and that's on Amazon also. Well, that is lovely, and it's a really, it's a really good, a very, very uh, big book, and it's uh, a paperback book, and there's lots of pictures. Yeah, at I the like back. The, I, I, that's the great thing about Amazon. You can publish these. A lot of history books in the past uh, tend to come out in hardback, and yes. they're, uh, they're, you know, they're quite expensive to to buy. But um, this is in paperback, so you can buy it, uh, you know, quite cheaply. Well, thank you so much, uh, Gabriel Murray, for coming in and speaking to us on the Woman to Woman show about one of Kilkenny's most inspirational women. I actually learned so much and uh, who intrigued me about the Lazy Desert was actually Marianne Kelly, uh, our local uh, lady who always acts as the, re- and the reenactments of all everything in Kilkenny and dresses up as Lazy Desert. Oh, that's right. Uh, yes. Yeah, so well, she's an important figure and she's inspirational and I hope we can promote more people like Lady Desert or people who uh, have similar values to Lady Desert. We all uh, aspire to her uh, decency, compassion and benevolence uh, uh, and charitable uh, state, you know, uh, status, then we, we would, we, we'd have a much better society. Well, Gabriel Murray, thank you so much for coming in and speaking to us here on the Woman to Woman show. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. You're more than welcome. And that was Gabriel Murray, author of The Countess of Desert. And you can buy that book on Amazon or in all local bookshops. Do stay tuned. We're going to go for a, a commercial break and we'll be back after the break. You're listening to The Woman to Woman Show with myself, Roshan Cleric. You can phone us on 56 Call us now on 056-776-2777. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Text us on 086-353-7782. You're with the Woman to Woman show on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. We're almost out of time. Before the break, we heard an extensive interview that Roisin Cleric did with Gabriel Murray, author of a new book about Lady Desert. And what an impressive woman she was. And indeed, her legacy is all around us today. Before we finish, news of another impressive woman, and that is Claire Byrne. And she has been named new presenter of RTE's Today programme and will begin next month.
Monday from 10 to midday. Personally, I'd hoped that Sarah McInerney might get the gig full-time. I think she's done a fabulous job over the last three months. But RT have also announced that she uh, will also, uh, they'll be announcing uh, the next project for Sarah McInerney uh, in the next couple of days. But uh, Clareburn, it will be today with Clareburn on RT. But of course, you'll be listening to Good Morning Kilkenny here on Community Radio Kilkenny City, Monday to Friday, 10 to midday. That's it for me for today. Speaking of impressive women, Samantha Rawson is up next with Kilkenny today between 5 and 6pm. And after that, we've got a repeat of last Friday's Big Jump, our sustainability programme presented by Orla Kelly and Darren proud so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that you get a chance after six o'clock and uh, between seven and ten o'clock it's Tommy Dowd with City Sounds. From me Declan Gibbons and all on the team thanks for listening and bye bye for now. We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM.